Good morning. It's great to see you in worship this morning. It's great to sing praises to the Lord. It's great to study the Word together. It's great to be with you and to pray and to be in worship and to hear from God this morning in a way that instructs us and shapes us and forms us. So we're glad you're here for worship this morning. We're going to be in Genesis 3 today, as we've already read. So uh, keep your thumb there and get ready uh, for just a second here. We're going to dive into it. What I want to do today is I want to sort of give you a vocabulary, uh, give you a vocabulary for thinking about our relationships with one another in a way that will help us because really, (laughs) really, the thing about our human relationships is that they're broken. It doesn't take a rocket scientist to know that. Our relationships are broken. And they're broken because of the sin, the enmity, the strife, the trouble between us as humans. And what we do as a result is totally the wrong sort of strategy to try to fix those relationships. We'll talk about that a little bit today. First, I want to show you a picture of the Wakefield family refrigerator. This is the uh, top half of the Wakefield family fridge there. Uh, One thing about being a parent that's uh, abundantly clear for all of us is that once your kids start hitting about three years old, they absolutely just start inundating you with drawings and crafts and pictures. Because it seems like everywhere they go, someone is having them make or draw something to take home to give to mommy or daddy. And this is how the dialogue usually goes. Look what I made for you, daddy. That's beautiful, kiddo. That's lovely. I love it. What is it? It's you and me holding hands, walking in the park together. Oh, that's, that's what I thought. That's lovely. I love it. That's great. Thank you. Now, that's how the dialogue usually goes. And this is kind of tame for us on our fridge. Uh, there, there are just a few crafts and just a few pictures. Uh, we've learned to sort of keep it simple. <laughs> yeah, I know. This is, this is simplified, actually. Uh, there have been times in our family's history when our refrigerator door was absolutely overrun top and bottom with pictures and drawings and crafts. I mean, honestly, there was a time when you could not open the refrigerator door with at least two or three things falling off and magnets coming down and getting frustrated and having to put them back on there. Um, Some of you know exactly what I'm talking about. You become sort of overrun by the pictures and the drawings and the crafts and the things your, your kids bring home. This comes from somewhere deep inside a little kid. It comes from somewhere deep inside a little kid that, that we identify with ourselves. Because you see, we all have this drive to be approved, to be accepted. We have an approval drive that's fundamentally a part of who we are. And, and some of that's a great thing. Some of that's a good thing. In fact, God made us that way. And it reflects His image in the way that He made us. But because of sin, because of our brokenness, that distance of relationships, we mess up the whole system. We mess up the whole system and we get it backwards. You see, when that kid comes to you and brings a drawing and says, look what I did, Daddy, that kid is bringing a drawing to you, seeking approval and acceptance from you. That's great. I love it. You made that? Wow. I mean, we... we, 
we, uh, we even discuss things on a little kid level because we want them so badly to, to feel that acceptance from us. You see, this is built into who we are because we're wired as people to have relationship. You see, God the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit is a trinity. It's, it's three persons in one, one essence. It's a trinity that is perfectly in relationship with one another. There's a mutually beneficial relationship between God the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. So when the Father wills something, the Son and the Holy Spirit respond appropriately and in perfect harmony with the Father's intent. There is total and complete relational harmony. But it breaks down. And this is what happened when we fell in the garden. Our relationships got turned upside down. I want you to read this article with me. It's a little bit small there, but uh, there's an article on the inside of the bulletin. I just want us to read through it uh, because it gets at what happens here and it demonstrates to us what happens here in Genesis 3. It's by a guy named Rick Thomas who is a friend of Dave and Becky Johnson and he's a counselor. And he says this in this article, we have an approval drive. He says this, we have an approval drive. All people have a desire to be approved or accepted by another person. This is how we were wired. Part of being made in the image of God means we were built for community, built for others. God, the ultimate eternal community of Father, Son, and Spirit, has always enjoyed a reciprocal mutually benefiting relationship with each other. It makes sense that when he created man, a desire for community was a natural part of man's makeup. Prior to man's fall in the Garden of Eden, this was a good thing. Man loved God and enjoyed a reciprocal relationship with God. Then man fell down. Man sinned in the garden, and things have not been right since. While the man's desire for community has not changed, the way he approaches community has changed radically. Don't miss that key part of this. While man's desire for community has not changed, the way he approaches community has changed radically. His fall in the garden had consequences, and one of those dark consequences was the realization that he was broken inside. Intuitively, man knows this brokenness has something to do with a relationship that he needs. But he typically does not see that the relationship he needs is a restored relationship with God. He needs God's forgiveness and acceptance, which can only come through a relationship with Christ. His built-in desire for approval is completely satisfied in Christ alone. But sadly, in his twisted thinking, he makes two major mistakes. Number one, he seeks fulfillment in human relationships rather than a relationship with God. And two, he seeks human relationships which primarily serve him. As a sinner, man became a user or taker rather than a giver. Like a drug addict, the relationship is only as good as what he can get out of it. I need something from you. What do you have to offer? <laughs> and if I like what you have to offer, I will be your friend. When I am tired of what you are offering, I will go on to the next relationship. Apart from being affected by the gospel, sinful man builds most of his relationships this way. 
Unless the gospel becomes the primary motivator to man's thinking, man will end his life with a string of broken and or fractured relationships. Only the gospel can give us a right perspective on community and how to build properly with each other inside that community. You see, there's this thing about keeping pictures on the fridge. Keeping pictures on the fridge is nice and it's good and we like it and it shows what our kids do. But it's the seeds. It's the beginnings of a system where we teach each other and even our little children to seek approval from one another first and foremost. It's okay to have pics on the fridge. I'm not saying go home and, and wipe them all down. What I'm saying is Think about the content of those pictures on the fridge. We'll, we'll talk later about that. We'll, we'll come back around to that. But let's see what this has to do with our big idea today. Our big idea today is this. What we're saying is that we have to get past the system of approval from people. That's fundamentally one of the main, most important things we have to do in order for us to grow. Remember, we're talking about gardening. God has placed us in the garden to become someone who, who, who manifests his goodness and his glory. And so the big idea today is that seeking fulfillment in human relationships instead of a relationship with God will do nothing but bring us frustration and it will result in failure. It doesn't take a rocket scientist for us to know this. We've all experienced the brokenness of human relationships. And that's a result of us seeking our fulfillment as people, fundamentally who we are in approval from other people. You see, you can't keep your kids thinking that their life is about bringing pictures to you. It's a good place to start. But somewhere that transaction has to be made where they're, they're pleasing you and their approval and acceptance seeking from you becomes an approval and acceptance seeking from their true father, from the real parent. We'll come back to that in a little bit here today. In Genesis 3, what we see is Adam and Eve in the garden. Seeking fulfillment. But we see that they're looking in all the wrong places. They're seeking their approval by manipulating one another in the relationship. They had become users of one another and takers instead of givers. It had all become about their own personal agenda, their awareness of self. They didn't even know a self in that sense existed before their sin. Look at verse 8 in chapter 3. Let's go back for just a second here. This manipulation happens right up until our passage today. Look at verse 8. They hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God. That was about their own agendas. Verse 10, it says they made excuses. I was afraid because I was naked. They're explaining it away. Verse 12, they began to blame the other person and even to blame God. It says, the woman whom you gave to be with me, she gave me the fruit of the tree. And then verse 13, they even blamed the serpent. The serpent is the one who deceived me. Four examples right there of us becoming aware of ourselves in a way which means that we are not Godward directed. We were seeking fulfillment in human relationships. So where does this come from? Why is it this way? It's because of that fulfillment, seeking our fulfillment in human relationships instead of God. And that results in frustration and pain and anger, and disappointment. We've all experienced that in our relationships. Look at verse 7 in chapter 3. 
This is where it demonstrates where this, where this frustration comes from. It says, then the both, then the eyes of both were opened and they knew they were naked. Their eyes were, were opened to the reality of who they were. That they were, that they were entirely about their own agenda instead of a Godward-directed agenda. Listen to how one scholar puts this, this idea that their eyes were opened. He says this, Their eyes were opened, and the result was shame, or perhaps more accurately, self-consciousness. Having made their declaration of independence from God, they are now aware of themselves in a new way, as autonomous beings, over against another autonomous being. They now know that they can exercise an independent will that differs from the will of others. And they already sense, even in the garden, that these differing wills are potentially hostile. Potentially. How about almost automatically are differing wills against one another is that seeking fulfillment in a way which does not submit our wills to the will of God. Before, it was full awareness in the garden, full awareness of a holy and perfect God, their Creator, in whom all of their fulfillment was, 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 was coming from. And now it was self-conscious in a way that damaged all their relationships. Now it became a battle. Now it was on. Look at verses 14 and 15. This is after they ate of the fruit from the tree. It says this, The Lord God said to the serpent, Because you have done this, cursed are you above all livestock and above all beasts of the field. On your belly you shall go, and dust you shall eat all the days of your life. Here comes that frustration. Verse 15, I will put enmity. That's frustration. That's strife. That's hostile strife between two different wills. I will put enmity between you and the woman and between your offspring. He shall bruise your head and you shall bruise his heel. The battle became between good and evil. The people of God versus the people of the evil one here. Now notice that God curses the serpent. He doesn't actually curse the man and the woman. That's an important little point here. Because we talk about the curse. We talk about the curse as if we are the cursed ones. But notice, it's the serpent he's talking to. The serpent is cursed. Keep reading in verse 16. God speaks to the woman here, and he gives a picture. He tells what her frustration is going to look like. Verse 16, it says this. To the woman, he said, I will surely multiply your pain in childbearing. In pain, you shall bring forth children. That pain, that frustration is talked about twice there. Your desire shall be for your husband, and he shall rule over you. That word for in the Hebrew, guess what it's also translated as? <laughs> Against. There's frustration throughout this. That word for pain, that word for paint there, that, that word for pain is meant to describe an emotional and a psychological anguish that a woman experiences in the entire process of bearing children. In fact, it's meant to talk about all the way from the desire for conception to giving birth itself. 
Now, I, I just want to point out one, one little thing here about that, that childbearing uh, pain, that frustration. This is a little bit complicated, but, but it clears up a problem. As women come across this passage, they think, you know, <laughs> why did God have to, uh, have to practically punish us with a physical pain of childbirth? I mean, why is that how he has to demonstrate that? Well, what he's talking about here is not so much a physical pain, though I am told that that is certainly a part of it. <laughs> I'm not going to sit here and tell you it's not. Uh, but those words for pain mean more than just physical. It's a desire. It's a desire to bear children. It's about an anguish, an anxiety, to have a relationship, to bear another being. Look at, listen to this, how one commentator says it. It's a, little, it's a little complicated. But he says that despite what we think of when we hear the word childbearing, and despite what modern translations in the Bible uh, say, the Hebrew word is specifically concerned with conception. The word translated pain in the first half of verse 16 is a mental or a psychological sort of anguish. And the word that's translated pain in the second line is used elsewhere to refer to strenuous work and therefore is an appropriate description of giving birth. In other words, this verse is meant to describe something like a conception anxiety. Think of how many couples you know who have tried to bear children but are not able to. Think of, think of how many people experience the frustration and the pain and the anguish of conceiving but not being able to finally give birth. That's a picture. That's a vivid picture of the effects of the fall and of sin. Pain and frustration extend to even the act of bearing children. That's a creation that is now broken. It's not working as it was meant to. Look at the second half of verse 16. It says, uh, Your desire shall be for your husband, and he shall rule over you. This is a further picture of frustrating human relationships. Turns out, he won't do what she wants him to do. Turns out, he won't do what she tries to manipulate him to do. It's not really meant to be funny, but it's kind of funny. And vice versa, men, the ground, your work, your achievements, we'll get back to us in just a second. That is a frustrating picture. Look at verses 17 to 18 with me. To Adam, he said, because you have listened to the voice of your wife and have eaten of the tree of which I commanded you, you shall not eat of it. In other words, because you stood there silent, knowing well exactly what I had spoken to you personally about not eating from that tree. It was before I even gave you your wife. I spoke to you that truth before she even existed. Because you've done this, cursed is the ground because of you. Notice God doesn't curse Adam. He curses the ground. It's the serpent and the ground, the soil, that are cursed. There's an important reason why that's the case. Cursed is the ground because of you. In pain, there's that frustration word again, in pain you shall eat of it all the days of your life. Thorns and thistles it shall bring forth for you. That's frustrating. I plant. 
and nothing happens. I tend the soil, and it doesn't do what it's supposed to do. And I have to go out every day and pick out weeds. You shall eat the plants of the fields. By the sweat of your face you shall eat breads. In other words, the reason we were designed, created, planted in the garden, the fruitfulness now comes much harder than it was meant. By the sweat of your face you shall eat bread till you return to the ground, for out of it you were taken. For you are dust, and to dust you shall return. This entire account is a picture of the effects of sin, the frustration. And think about our personal relationships. The anger, the disappointment, the pain. We've been experiencing the frustration in our human relationships ever since this time in the garden. Divorce, single parents with kids, not having a helpmate, the loneliness we experience, the addictions that we we make up addictions. Those are relationships with things and ideas. Manipulative behaviors. Because I've got to squeeze out of you something that fulfills me. I've got, I got to have my relationship with you be on a term that is about my fulfillment. We've been doing that ever since the garden, friends. Seeking approval in human relationships that were never intended to satisfy us like God can. It was never God's design that you nor I could truly fulfill one another in the way that only God could. But ever since, we've been working really hard, really hard to find our fulfillment from people instead of God. So, so I want to know, have you ever gotten past? Have you ever gotten past putting pics on the fridge for other people to see. It's great to start our kids seeking approval in a godly, healthy fashion, but it's got to transfer to approval from God. It's got to transfer to somebody other than you, to their real father, to the real parent, the one who really created them, the one who truly conceived them from eternity past. You see how even, even we manipulate that relationship with the child? It's mine. It's not yours. It's mine. It's not God's. He's not truly the father of this child. I am. I tell that kid what to do. I manipulate that relationship so they do what I want them to do. Seeking approval from me in a way that creates a system that will never, ever work and won't fulfill for anybody. It never was designed to. In fact, the frustration itself is its own sign that God alone will fulfill us. At what point did you, did you finally give in? Some of you still haven't. <laughs> but at what point as an adult did you finally give in to the truth that I am not going to be able to make you happy and that you cannot make me happy and that your relationships with one another are limited 
and filled with distance. It's a sign that you can't do it except with a relationship with God. For some of us, it's time to clean off the fridge and start over with our pictures. Because here's what we do. Here's what we do with our kids. We put pictures of their drawings. And that's a picture maybe of, of their first boyfriend or girlfriend or their relationship with uh, a significant other or, or a graduation picture. We may even have a picture of them driving their first car, their first job, all of those things. We're putting on the pictures of human relationships, seeking fulfillment in things that won't last. Maybe it's time for us to clean off the fridge so that instead of pictures that hold up approval from humans seeking approval from them, it's, it's things like this picture of my child hopefully will one day be serving another person. Why aren't those the pictures that we put on the refrigerators of our hearts? If we are seeking God's approval... If fulfillment comes from relationship with God alone, then our fruit will happen out of a relationship that is real and genuine and fulfills and lasts. You can't bear fruit because of me. If you want to seek my approval, to go out there and do what's good and right, because I, as your preacher, stood up here and told you to, you're seeking my approval. And vice versa. When God looks at the pictures on the heart of your life, on your own personal heart's fridge, what is He going to see? Is He going to see things that demonstrate that your fruit-bearing seeks after His glory? Are there going to be things that demonstrate the way you love people? Because, friends, your love for people cannot start with seeking their approval. It has to start with the love that God has for people in the first place. Our service, our love, our mercy, our kindness, the way we interact with one another, the way you and I can have a unified purpose in our lives, that's about love for and from God first. What would it look like? What would it look like if this church body, if, if us in this room, if, if, if we were being fulfilled first and foremost by our relationship with God? Isn't the body of Christ made a witness to the glory of God when each one of us individually is finding our fulfillment in a relationship with God first? The most effective witness a church could ever have is when a bunch of individuals are seeking His will, His goodness, His glory, His purposes. And not mine, and not yours, that are defined by our human seeking approval. That's what real witness looks like for the church. And that's what I hope we continue to do as people of God called His children to have relationship with Him first. Let's pray.